sweat the technique. Most bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights. But they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. It's Joe George filling in for Jeremy Branham here today on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 alongside Joel Blank. As always, let's go right out to the HRP guest line. Welcome in the TV voice of the Houston Astros, Todd Callis. Todd, how's it going? It's going great. Um, these are huge games. I love it. Yeah, these are probably the biggest games you've called in a long time because the Astros towards the end of the season are normally way have run away with the division by quite a few games. It's just not like that this year. No, no, this is all new to me. And, uh, you know, every game is that, that game on Wednesday. If they lose that, they are in serious trouble. That was almost, you know, as close to a must win as you can have with three games to go. Uh, and here they go against Arizona. They know that if they win two out of three, they're in, but I think they have their sights set on trying to sweep and see if they can somehow sneak that division title out. Yeah, before we get into all that, TK, I'm just curious to kind of put a bow on that series you called because what a great finale, but then you have the whole Neris and, and J-Rod thing, and, and everybody has to take on it. You've seen more baseball than most. Have you ever seen a pitcher? I, I said there was like that imaginary line, but you know, right down the center of the rubber, right through the middle of the plate. A pitcher can do what he wants as he goes to his dugout following that line. But when you cross it, it really seemed like something I hadn't seen before. And obviously the backlash and the aftermath continues. But it was just bizarre to me. It really seemed to, to fire up the Astros. But at the time, I was really kind of shocked that I had, cause I had never seen it before. Yeah, I, I was surprised. It, it's something you don't see at all. Um, and especially two guys that are friends uh, who have been friends, who have been on the same WBC Dominican Republic team um, have stayed at each other's houses. I mean, it's crazy. And I, I was shocked. I mean, Maldi, Martin Maldonado caught that last pitch, and he was heading to the dugout. He wasn't anticipating anything. Uh, we've seen Hector be very animated after final outs of innings, pumping his chest, uh, doing a little strut off the mound, but that's always been towards his own dugout. So uh, that was very unusual. I didn't expect it, um, but it happened. It's unfortunate. Hector Neris, if you ask me, of all the 26 or 27 now with uh, September roster expansions of all the 27 guys, might be the nicest guy who has more friends uh, on the team and in the league than anybody. Uh, but what he did on Wednesday was a little over the top, and it's unfortunate. Hopefully uh, hopefully the story goes away soon. Yeah. But it, it happened, and, and it is what it is. All right, so we got the series this weekend, Todd, versus the Diamondbacks. Uh, J.P. France tonight. You know, it, it's been a little bit bumpier for, for him the last couple starts versus what it was early on, you know, as he made his Major League debut. What are you expecting from J.P. tonight when you see him on the mound? Yeah, hopefully uh, we'll get that J.P. France that was throwing uh, quality games in June and July. He had like six or seven in a row. Hopefully we see that guy. Um, you know, first time facing the Diamondbacks, that should be a little bit of an advantage for him. I like to see that change-up play a little bit against lefties. I think the change-up has been in place some, but probably could be utilized a little more. It's such an effective pitch for him. He can get ahead with it, or he can try and put a hitter away with it. Uh, for me, if you can get J.P. France to go, you know, five or six innings, I know Zach Allen to the opponent tonight, and stay right there with Zach Allen. I take my chances with the bullpen versus their bullpen. But right now, uh, it's the biggest game of J.P. France's career. I'm not sure who they have lined up possibly for Sunday, whether it would be Christian Javier or Hunter Brown. But whoever's not in the plans for Sunday, I would assume is going to be possibly a backup plan uh, for tonight. Well, Christian wouldn't be, but Hunter could possibly be a backup plan for tonight. So we'll see how it works out. Or Keaton can give them length as well. 
it's going to be a shortish leash if JP struggles, uh, but hopefully he pitches like he did in the middle of the summer and the Astros get a W. TK, we've been debating this back and forth over the course of the week as we get closer to the, the, the end of this regular season. If, if well, I don't know what side you're on on this, but if they win tonight and you get the Mariners' loss, do you do you sit Justin Verlander? How do you see the pitching playing out based on wild card and just getting in and then just making sure? Because I said, look, if Fromber and JV don't have to pitch this weekend and you can get in because it, the percentages are so low, you're going to win the division. I would rather have my top two guns ready to go fully loaded for a playoff series than to have either one of those guys have to pitch on short rest. I'm curious your thoughts. Okay, so the scenario is that the Astros win and the Mariners lose tonight, so that they would only need one more win to, to clinch. Yeah, yep. Uh, um, that's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, you just want to get in, right? And I understand the concept of waiting to see if, if you need Verlander on Sunday and maybe getting a win or a Mariners lost Saturday. That's a tough call. If they know they can't win the division and they only need one more either win or Mariners loss, I, I guess you could see a Hunter Brown go tomorrow and maybe hold off JV until Sunday, knowing you would have uh, Verlander available if you could wrap things up on Saturday. Um, wow. Yeah, I'd say flip of the coin. I, I, I would personally go, I think I would go with JV just to kind of lock it up and not worry about using any of your A bullpen guys on Sunday and just just finish the deal. But I, I do think it's a, it's a very interesting yeah. decision that the Astros would have to make. Hopefully they have to make that decision. Yes. Uh, joined by Todd Kaus here on the HRMP guest line, brought to you by Daspit Law Firm and Academy. Uh, you know, Joel earlier referenced you, you've seen so much baseball. Can you explain to me, Michael Brantley, how a guy misses so much time and then has four hits? Like, the, he's absolutely incredible what he can do at the plate. I know. I, I deferred to Blummer on that one, and he couldn't figure it out because he's a guy that didn't always have an everyday role. And he said even when he sat two or three days, you know, sometimes it took a, a day to get his timing back. But for him to sit 10 days and not see like pitching and get four knocks, it's just it's otherworldly. Guys like Brantley, Tony Gwynn, Wade Boggs, guys through the years who had one of the purest swings that can seemingly hit literally falling out of bed. And Michael's in one of those. 0.1% category that can do that. It's, it's remarkable to watch. Todd, how do they handle that going forward, though? Because you know they're so much better when he's in the lineup, but then Dusty says, or they said that he's day-to-day, and you know how important he can be in this in this offense. How do you do? You just handle it with kid gloves? You just have to play it a day at a time? Just say, say when he gets out of bed and stretches in the morning? How do you feel? Because it's a different offense when he's somewhere in that lineup. Yeah, I, I think it, it's – I don't know how they handle it in the postseason, but right now I, I don't think he'll play every game in this Diamondback series. Maybe he'll play today coming off the off day and Sunday. Uh, so maybe it's an every-other-day thing. Um, if he starts to feel better all of a sudden, maybe he does play all three. But I, I think they're going to try and get him in, obviously, as many games as they feel comfortable with his health. And they'll talk to Michael and make the best decision. But I, I think, you know, if I had to guess right now, I'm guessing maybe Friday – and if the game means something, maybe again on Sunday. You know, Todd, as we get to the end of the season, it's the time of the year when all the articles start coming up. Most surprising player, guy that made the impact that no one noticed. I think Chaz McCormick and Dubon and, and J.P. France are all at the top of that list for the Astros. But when you look back at so far the last 159, what's been the biggest surprise for you with the Astros? Which player? Uh, just for the timing of the latest hits, I think you could go any of those three all year long, Chaz or 
Yiner or Dubon. But I think the timing of the hits lately, I don't think the Astros are sitting here where they control their own destiny without Mauricio Dubon. Um, so I'm going to have to go with him just based on what he's done in September. He has come up with huge, huge hits along the way. Uh, the walk-off at home, the uh, the base hit with two outs the other day after the leadoff triple by Jose Abreu that eventually led to three runs in that first win against Seattle, and then, of course, the three-run home run on Wednesday. Um, Yiner has surprised the heck out of me, especially what he's done defensively, so he would be a close second, and Chaz has certainly been a surprise as well. It's hard to argue is that Chaz has done this year with a possible 2020 season, so he would... They're all three great surprises, but if you pinpoint me down, I have to say because of the big swing he's had in September, it'll be Mauricio. You know, it's funny, Todd, because of all the lack of depth that they've had to deal with all season long with those guys, you know, becoming prominent roles because Altuve was out and Jordan missed time and Tuck missed some time. Everybody was missing some time. But now Dusty kind of gets the whole entire uh, script flipped, and the fact is he could go into a playoffs where it looks like Maldi will probably, in the, especially in the wild card round, if that's what they're facing, catch all three games which would mean you could have a bench that had, would have one, if not maybe both, Yiner and Michael Brantley on the bench waiting for pinch hit rolls, which is something Dusty hasn't been used to all season. Yeah, that would be quite a bench, huh? <laughs> Yiner and Michael. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, with J.B. and Fromber, you, you think for sure it's going to be Maldonado behind the plate. Christian Javier has seemingly had more success lately with Maldi behind the plate. So, yes, the possibility would be there. Uh, in where you only need three starters in that first series, that Yiner would not get a start in any of those three. So, yeah, I would say uh, that's going to be something that Dusty's going to have to figure out. You have to get more aggressive in the postseason. So, in the regular season, we've seen situations where big spots have come up in the sixth inning or seventh inning, and at that point, he's elected to keep Maldi in there and then hope that maybe they needed a bigger spot later to pinch hit for Maldi. But I think you have to be more aggressive if there's a big spot offensively where Yiner or Michael can do damage earlier in the game in the playoffs, you have to make that move then. Well, when you say that about be more aggressive, too, I'm curious, who plays center field then? Chaz looked like he should be, he would be that guy, and obviously he got plunked the other night. But Dubon has come on so strong lately, and we know we call him the personal center fielder of Justin Verlander, but he hasn't really let you down. He's got some very key and timely hits down the stretch. Who's your center fielder in the playoffs? Well, that, that goes back to your... Uh, query about Michael Brantley coming off the bench. If Michael plays, then you have to make a decision. On the games that he doesn't play, then you can have them both out there with mm-hmm. Chad and left and Mauricio in center. So uh, between those three, you're going to fill two spots every day with Jordan being the guy who's going to probably be the DH or occasional uh, left fielder. So uh, I don't see Michael playing every day in the postseason three days in a row, just like I don't see him playing every day this weekend in Arizona. So in that game, they both play in the games where Michael is in the lineup, then you've got a tough decision to make. And I think with Justin Verlander on the mound, we know who's going to play center field. Uh, maybe with Fromber on the mound, Chaz gets a start. I think Dusty's going to look at the pitching matchups on the other side and see who the Astros are facing, whether it's Minnesota or Tampa Bay, and, and who might match up better. But it's, uh, to me, defensively, there's really not much of a difference. I think Dubon throws a little bit better than Chaz, and Chaz has really good defensive metric numbers going to get the ball. So defensively, to me, it's kind of a wash. It's just about who matches up better with the other side. And uh, we know Justin Verlander in the past has always had Dubon as a center fielder. So I just think that's going to happen on that day. All right, TK, final one. I hate to put you on the spot this big, but of all the weird things you've seen in baseball, where does a fan throwing a ball back into the field and hitting his <laughs> own pitcher rank? Because that was something the other night. That was unbelievable, right? Yeah. Unreal. I mean, the net... The nutting is so high. Like, you have no idea the odds of that actually coming close to the mound, let alone hitting 
George Kirby, and obviously it didn't do any damage. But can you imagine it hit him in the head or something? Who knows yeah. uh, what could have happened? But yeah, just it was the silliest thing I've seen. It was a Mariners fan because the Nashville hit a foul ball back there. It might have been Tucker. I'm not even sure who it was. But uh, yeah, not a smart move. You've got your guy going, rolling along on the mound, and you throw a baseball back on the field in his general direction. The fact that it hit him. Had to be like a two million to one shot. That was unreal. Uh, he, he, I'm curious, Todd, before you, you got your sticks with you out there because I know there's some good golf courses. Yeah, played on the off day yesterday and nice. played it. Yeah, had a good time. I don't, I don't mind the heat. So it was like 98, 99, but I was, I was fine out there. We had the course to ourselves too. It was pretty empty. TPC Raven. There's some good ones. We went to uh, where did we go yesterday? We went. Uh, oh, I can't even say Ganey Ranch. We went to Ganey oh, Ranch. Oh, okay. Yesterday. Yep. Good yeah. stuff. All right, here's Todd Cowles, the TV voice of the Astros, brought to you by Daspit Law Firm and Academy. Uh, well, TK, I hope we're talking to you next week after, uh, at worst, an Astros victory in the wild card round. But uh, enjoy the games this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, I would be bitterly disappointed if we're not talking next week. So let's get this done, guys. Thanks. All right, thanks, TK. Yeah, he is Todd Cowles, brought to you by the Daspit Law Firm and Academy Sports and Outdoors. All right, one thing that we have not talked about too much with the Astros and where they're headed to, whether it's the postseason or just these final three games. TK actually referenced Hunter Brown potentially being involved today out of the bullpen, but what is the role of Hunter Brown and Jose Urquidy now for the Houston Astros? I'm Joe George. He's Joel Blank. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about my good friend Doc Linville. Doc Linville, best in the business at the Neograft procedure. If you don't know what it is, and you must be living under a rock, but you're definitely probably living with less hair because the Neograft procedure is a procedure that gets your hair back. If you have pattern baldness, you're thinning, or you're just already gone bald, you don't think there's anything you can do about it. There actually is. The Neograft procedure is taking your own hair where you don't, where you're never going to lose it. Genetically, you're never going to lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head and putting it where you need it most. Maybe it's up front on your hairline. Maybe it's up on top and back. You go in, you show them where you need help. They'll tell you how they can get it done with the Neograft procedure. As a listener to ESPN 97.5 right now, you get a free consultation with Doc Linville and his staff that normally costs 150 bucks. All you got to do is go to 975hair.com and sign up. Go in, ask questions, get answers. Figure it all out because Doc's going to be the one that gets it done. He's going to get your hair back, and it's absolutely fantastic. And here's some of the bullet points that you'll find out when you go into the meeting. 95 to 99% of the follicles moved are going to stay. They're going to grow. They're going to be with you for the long haul. They ain't going anywhere. They are going to be there for you possibly for the rest of your life. That's because they're taking it from a spot where they never go away. You're also going to find out you're not going to see the full results for six to nine months. But after going through the procedure, you will already see the follicles there and you will understand what they're going to do. It's absolutely fantastic. Check them out today and tell them I sent you by because I could not be happier with the procedure and the results that I got. You could be the next in line to get results with the Neograft procedure from the best in the business, in my opinion, at doing it. It's Doc Linville. Go to 975hair.com. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Pitter patter. It's a hard life picking stones and pulling teats, but sure as God's got sandals, it beats fighting dudes with treasure trails. Welcome back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees are also known as Africanized Bees, and we all know there's nothing Africanized about these two guys. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Zero percent today. The 3% is gone. I haven't so. done like the, what do they call that when you do that 
background. Like the Ancestry test Yeah, or I didn't do yeah. Ancestry.com. We did. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm definitely in the 0% category. I don't think that's shocking. I'm like 75% Scottish and Irish. Yeah, I got German in there. Yeah, I got a little bit of that too, but I'm mostly a Scottish and Irish. Yeah, I got the, the melting pot of all of that and some yeah. Polish and, you know. We got our first firing of the Major League Baseball season. It's not over yet. Gabe Kapler has been fired as the San Francisco Giants man. Wow. Maybe Dusty goes home. Gabe's spending too much time in the weight room? I guess so. Didn't he, they just give him a contract? I don't know, but I, I didn't think, he, you know, based on the fact that I don't think there was a lot expected of the Giants, I thought he did a decent job. Well, they just got a new GM, right? And the kid, One of the guys from the Astros just took over there. Is that I right? Believe, yeah, so it's like that's not too surprising. I always feel like when you get a new GM, eventually, like, the next – He's kind of a, the manager gets fired. He's a little bit of an overly dominant type manager anyway. Remember when uh, he actually waited? You know, he's a kind of a hothead, but he waited. One of his pitchers had a problem being taken out, yeah, and then yeah. he waited and got him to go down in the tunnel, and then you could tell he was just going to light him up. Yeah. I think his personality could rub people the wrong way. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, no. like he, he doesn't exactly seem like – it's very Jim harbaugh where it might work in the beginning – but it's one of those managers or coaches where the shtick is going to get old. And, like, and if it, you're not winning, it always never works. You know how we talk about some coaches are better suited to be coordinators than head coaches mm-hmm. because they don't. it doesn't fit them? This is kind of the opposite. He's better to be a, a, an assistant coach where there's one more in command above him so he can't run rough shot because if he just runs and you know does whatever he wants to do his way, I could see how it could be a little bit much. All right, so we mentioned just briefly in our interview there with TK, and thanks again for him joining us uh, since we moved to afternoons. We'll continue to talk to him throughout the Astros' postseason run and uh, the week after the season end, whether it's next week or after the World Series. So hopefully many more appearances to come with Todd Callis. But we men- he mentioned Hunter Brown there a little bit. Potentially he could be you know, someone that could be part of the bullpen tonight even. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously not starting this weekend as of this moment. And... You know, it, it is, it's going to be fascinating to see how he's used over the next three days because it kind of feels like he will start if the Astros or when the Astros lock something up. He might be the guy instead to go, him or Akiti. But based on what you've seen from him, Joel, what do you want the Astros to use Hunter Brown and Jose Akiti? What do you want their roles to be in the postseason, assuming the Astros get there? Well, uh, I think that the first and foremost priority for both of those guys is to be in the pen and be ready. And I don't, I don't really anticipate using either guy as a starter, maybe for the rest of the way, but at least until you get to a longer series because Hunter Brown's just been inconsistent. We know that his stuff plays. We know that he has, between his fastball and his slider, and even his change, which he seems to not want to use enough, that he has major upper-level, upper-echelon major league stuff. But learning the art of pitching takes time, and he struggled this year mightily to the point where you can't risk putting him out there the way he's given up crooked numbers in multiple innings early in games in his last couple of starts. I think he's a guy that if he empties the tank can can start getting close to 98 miles an hour. And, and if he get, just goes through three to six batters in one to two innings, that he could be dominant. But when you ask him to try and get through a lineup multiple times, it's a different story. So I think for him especially – because he's done it before, and it is a change, and it's a drastic one to go from starter to bullpen. Some, as we know, can't do it, a la uh, uh, um, my favorite Jake Odorizzi. Uh, Overeasy was not someone that could do it, and he bitched about it. But I think Hunter Brown can do it, 
can be effective doing it. That's where I'd see him. And Arquiti's the same thing. I don't know that I expect to see a whole lot of Jose Arquiti. Last time we saw him, he was giving up gopher balls and needed some ice on the back of his neck for how quickly he had to turn and look and watch him fly. I think he's another guy that if you have to call on him to get some innings, you do that. But he has a shorter leash than Hunter Brown because he doesn't have the fastball and the stuff to get, to compete. Yeah, I, I I think that one of them, specifically Jose Arquiti, I do not expect to see unless there's a mop-up duty in the postseason. And I think it's going to be the mop-up duty that we saw last year yep. in which the Astros are losing a game potentially in the postseason or even over the next two or three days where they feel like it's completely out of reach. So I, I think Jose Arquiti's role on this team is pretty locked in. And frankly, I think he's going to be the casualty of what's to come in the offseason. Mm-hmm. You know, the Astros need to attack the offseason in which they add pitching depth. Early on, I I would challenge, you know, like the Chandler Rome article that would come out saying the Astros need to address pitching depth. Well, because I, I didn't feel that way in the offseason. You had Hunter Brown, you had Jose Arquiti, Luis Garcia, Lance McCullers. Like, you had all these guys who have either been bad or out for the entire mm-hmm. season, basically. But they were, Chandler was right. Like, the Astros should have added more pitching depth in the offseason. They definitely have to do it this year. And I think Jose Arquiti, I don't, his value is not Wilson Contreras like it no, was last no, year, no, no. but he, he's going to have some kind of value to a team. So I, I think we are towards the end of the line with Jose Arquiti. And honestly, Joel, I just wouldn't be shocked if we never see him pitch for the Astros ever again at this point. Arquiti? Yeah. Ever again? Yep. What are you going to do in the offseason? Trade him? Trade him. Depends on what you get for him. I know. But like, and I know it's not like, it's not Wilson Contreras value, but like, I just, they need Dre- depth and they need someone better than him. And for the second year in a row, no one wants to touch him and use him in the postseason. And I think that's going to be the case again. So I, I think they're just going to – I think it's move on time. Frankly. Dre said he pitched three scoreless innings this weekend. I don't recall that, and I guess I didn't see that. But I do recall that the 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 the, the, uh, the appearance before that, he came in as kind of a split start. He came in about midway through. And just he gave up two home runs yeah, in one inning. Bullpen's kind of been a roller coaster for him. Like that very first start, that very first bullpen appearance he made like a month or two ago, he was excellent. So like he has been a roller coaster. And I'm not saying that he can't excel out of the bullpen, but I just think you have to. You no, know, the one thing is with Dusty Baker is like I don't think he's going to change his plans from last year. Like he didn't use Jose Arquiti last year. He didn't use Stanek much last year. I wonder how much he'll use Stanek this year in the postseason. Like with Maton and Graveman, and then obviously I think more. your elite guys. I think more, Joe, and I think the reason why is I because would like him to. well, I would too, and I think that he ha- almost has to because the trust has flipped a year ago for whatever happened after a regular season where he was stellar and had a one-one something ERA. We didn't see him. That was it, and there wasn't a lot of trust there. I think because he does not trust Maton, he does not, and maybe Maton just got completely overused and gassed after the first half of the season, but Maton. Graveman, guys that he's trusted in the past. I think that that has changed a little bit and that he knows, again, Stanek, if nothing else, can bring 95-plus to the plate. Mm. And if his splitty is working at all, he can, he can offset the fastball enough to keep guys off balance for an inning. So I think that Stanek this year we should see more because Dusty doesn't trust seeing those other guys frequently. And so I think Stanek's going to play into the mix. I think you're right on Arcadia. I don't think we're going to see him much, and I don't think we're going to see him early. And if at all late, it's going to be either mop-up or emergency duty, but I don't think he's going to be in any anything critical, and he's definitely not getting a start. Hunter Brown's different because of how good his stuff can be, and maybe 
it's good for him, too, to come in and know I can empty the tank in one inning of 25 pitches or less, and, and I, can get, I can get my mojo back. Uh, eight, nine, or nine, six, four, it says Urquidy's arms are too short. That, is that mean? Is that, is that just, is that a weird take that someone has here? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't take on people's arm lengths. Yeah, it's not like basketball where I'm looking for his wingspan. Yeah. I, I don't know that it, they're too short. I know that they've been too surgically repaired, at least one of them, and had too many issues, but he also doesn't throw too fast, so I don't know. Yeah, and obviously, and when we're talking about Stanek, if you missed the news, he is on paternity, the paternity list. Uh, Seth Martinez has been called up from Sugarland, assuming... All goes well. I would expect Ryan, uh, Ryan Stanek to be out the next three days mm-hmm. and then be back for the you're postseason. Not, you're not going to put the clickbait headline out there? He's out for the season. Stanek's out for the year. He is. He's out. For, well, because they haven't said that for sure. Not he, out for the year. He's out for the season, which yeah. would be the regular season. He Don't say be, out for the year. He could be back on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, we've seen, we've seen there's been so many Astros babies over the last, like, four years. Some of these guys come back faster than others. Like, it just depends on, you know, Stanek. He could be back Sunday. He could be back tomorrow. He's yeah. just at least out today. Uh, I it's weird because I thought Seth Martinez, I thought Seth Martinez was gonna have a bigger role in the bullpen. I'm not. I'm had. not. Look, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm like not gonna shy on, away from that early on because of what he did last year. Yeah. Because last year he was supposed to be your last ditch effort relief guy, mop up guy, bridge guy, and Dusty would keep throwing him out there, and he kept getting guys out. And except for a bomb to Aaron Judge late in the season, he was super effective. And I thought wow, this guy's really earned the kind of daily Rayleigh love from Dusty where he's going to have a bigger role this Even year. Even earlier in the season, he would go out, like he would be like the sacrificial lamb. You would yep. go out there in the 10th inning during some of these extra, extra inning games. And he would go three or four innings, yep. and he would eventually lose like his like third or fourth inning out there. But like the first couple innings were solid. So like, I guess we'll see Seth Martinez. What was the this game weekend? in Cleveland where they, lo- they had out of pitchers? And he, oh, he, and he just, just kept, kept going. going. And, and, and they ended up losing the game. But every both teams kept scoring runs. But he kept you in it for so long that you're like, God, Dusty's got to love a guy like this. He's going to leave it all out there. And then it just didn't work out. It's very Dusty Baker. Just leave a guy out there until his arm falls off. All right, Brian he, Abreu almost did the other night. I still I didn't love that. I, I get why either. they did it, but I, I didn't love it. All right, he is Joel Blank. You can find him on Twitter, at Pac-Man. Joel, will Mac ruin Joel's weekend? Who said it? It's next. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, home of Odin Finch. Odin Finch. I'm Odin Finch. Informed opinions are oftentimes presented here. You're locked in with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Joe George here with you, in for Jeremy Brandon, who's out in Lubbock, Texas, as the Cougs take on Texas Tech in Big 12 action this weekend. Jeremy's at the metropolis of the biggest city in that. No. Uh, Joel Blank here, as always. All right, we teased who said it. Uh, that's going to be at 5 o'clock, because in the last segment, I said, I think, quote, Jose Arquiti may never pitch for the Astros again. You're like me with Michael Brantley. <laughs> I yeah, said he was well, never going to play the rest of the season. The thing is... I didn't factor in J.P. France getting scratched from his start tonight because that is officially what has happened. J.P. France is not starting for the Houston Astros tonight. He has been scratched, and in his place, Jose Urquidy will be starting for the Strohs tonight, which means two things. Not great about J.P. They chose Urquidy over Hunter Brown. Yeah, that's there's so many different things to just uh, unwrap here because of the fact that 
We just got done talking about Urquidy being last on the food chain of the guys to pick from, Hunter Brown being a logical guy that could help you in the bullpen, and France being the guy that if you had to have a four starter would probably end up being the guy because he's been so steady for most of the year and, and that he's he's been effective. Now, so many questions. It's one thing as it relates to tonight because you're still not out of the woods and into the playoffs. Makes me nervous. It's another thing to figure out because they haven't told you why he's being scratched that if this is injury-related or somehow is going to take away his availability going into the playoffs, now it's a whole different discussion because now you are just going to be Band-Aids and and gauze and where in the hell are you going to try and patchwork pitchers together for starting start you're going to end up being like the Tampa Rays and look for for openers and all kinds of crazy stuff yeah I, I would anticipate Hunter Brown coming in tonight as like a piggyback now that this has happened I mean, Katie hasn't started it feels like in a month so like I can't I can't imagine he's heavily stretched out so my guess is you're going to see your Katie two or three times through the rotation then Hunter Brown's going to come in and, and take over from there and then hopefully get you to the bullpen right now like the one thing we haven't discussed, we've talked so much about like all the implications in the American League. The one thing that can help the Astros out tonight is that because they play late, by the third or fourth inning of this game, the Brewers, if they defeat the Cubs tonight, which they probably will because the Cubs are a disaster ball. And Milwaukee's not. And Milwaukee's not. That Arizona will have clinched a playoff berth tonight by hopefully the third or fourth inning. So, but do they want the second wild card or that, the third? That's the thing. It it does. It, you know, it, it clinches them a wild card berth for sure. If if Milwaukee wins tonight, it does not guarantee them which spot they right. want. And I don't know so, with the two roads to what's better, which is the path better traveled. I'll for. ask you: Is it better to go through Philly or is it better to go through Milwaukee? I'd go through Milwaukee. I would, too, because Philly, like... They're they're, hot right now. They're doing what they did last year. They're on a roll through the end of the season, and, like, and Trey Turner's playing great. Bryce Harper got real pissed. I was just going to say, if it doesn't come up early... so pissed. If it doesn't come up early, I will make sure it comes up late. But the fact that... He got so mad. Everything that you see with the Phillies is a carbon copy of last season. Schwarber's hitting, like, 500-foot bombs. They're, they're, They're... If they're in... They got a great chance because they got a good roster. They got good pitching, uh, and, and they've been there and done that before. I don't want to see Philly unless I have to next to the Dodgers. I mean, the Braves and the Dodgers. So I would avoid it. I'd go to Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee, because it's a small market team, because they're always you know financially challenged, I, I think the Milwaukee starting pitching is really good, but their lineup doesn't scare a lot of people. And, and look, this look that's a team with not a lot of playoff experience with the Diamondbacks anyways. I also just don't think it really matters that much. Like, you are playing three games on the road. You know, and and this is, it goes the same for the Astros. I think we all would like the Twins because it seems like an easier matchup, yeah, even yeah. though their pitching's been good. But like, I, I would rather play the Twins than the Rays. Me too. In the playoffs, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You're playing three road games against teams that have been good this season, that are quality competition. So like, it, it doesn't really matter. I think who you play all that much, even how the matchups work. Like, all that matters is that you have a three game series and you need to take but, care of business. You know what that is, Joe? That that's if you're the Astros. If you're the Astros, you have that mentality. Been there, done that. Doesn't matter home and road. Doesn't matter who we play. They're probably more worried about us than we're ever going to be about them. But I think when you look at it from Arizona's perspective, it's totally different because I think they're a year away from being the 2015 Astros where I think that they kind of fast-tracked a rebuild where they got a ton of young talent. They've got talent that looks like it's going to be around for a while and that if they make some some smart moves with free agency and a couple, you know, bring in a couple extra some other players to go with the youth that they've put on that roster, 
that team could make a good run being a good team for uh, several years to come, but they're not there yet. So I think that it's they're kind of playing with house money. They want to get in, but if they want to win, I think the matchups mean more to them than it would say. And that's why I think a young team, an inexperienced team, doesn't want to see the Phillies. Yeah, I, I think I think that's I think that's very fair. Uh, I'm curious how like they will handle that as an organization, but it, I still believe the best thing to happen for because like we'll see. But like it's it just wouldn't shock me if like you see Gallon going really well through three or four, Milwaukee wins and he comes out of the game because that's still say okay now he can wait to wild card game one on Tuesday. And, and be ready full go for that. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. But I guess the follow-up question to this with like Jose Arquiti starting tonight instead of JP France is like, we talked about the death lineup earlier. I don't well, think that's guaranteed anymore. Like Yiner th- Diaz is not guaranteed to catch anymore now. Doesn't that mean that it's even more necessary than before though? It should be. Uh, I think Maldi's catching for Arquiti. Uh, great. Like, I don't know who's going to, I can't even like, it's, I feel like it's been so long since we've seen our Keaty start. I know, but I think that if you need a pitcher that's going to be stabilized. You you would hope though, if there's any doubt, because Keaty's, I don't think definitely, he's not locked into one catcher or the other, then you would play the platoon with, with Yonder hitting righties better and Maldi hitting lefties better. And with Zach Gallon on the mound, I mean, to me, the obvious choice would be Yonder for that reason. But, but think about it, guys. Here's the other thing that you got to factor into this. You're not going to see your Keaty for long. And so, if Hunter Brown comes in, that's you true. think it's a piggyback situation. Yeah, yeah. I so do. I think if Hunter Brown comes in, that's a Yiner. That's a Yiner guy. And I want and I want the best bats in there. And then and, just, and then so you, you you actually kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, Yiner goes, and then you have Brandon Yiner can do all right with Arkady, but regardless of how he does, how Arkady does, Yiner's going to be there for Hunter Brown, and he's a better bat in the lineup. Uh, uh, Martin Maldonado has caught seven of Jose Arkady's nine starts this season. Yiner caught the other two. How'd they do? Oh, that's that's asking for a lot of information. I just I went off someone out. else's Twitter account. Oh, um, but like, like this is this is tough. Like, it, it's just you know, a couple hours before the game, what five hours, four hours, whatever it is at this point. You know, it, like going. I feel much better trying to push for a, a playoff berth for the Astros with JP France as shaky as he's been with him on the mound versus Jose Arquiti. Like. Now, Jose Arquiti, I get it. A lot of people, it's happening all over the Twitch chat right now. Everyone wants to talk about, you know, what his playoff success was in the past. It, guys, we're talking, it's three, four years. Yeah, he's not the same guy. Like, it, it's been a while since, like, he has been that dude in the playoffs for the Houston He's Astros. had more arm issues. He's had, yeah. you know, issues where he couldn't keep it in the yard. So, he's had a lot of things change physically and also results-wise, since that success in the playoffs. All right, so I found the numbers. They're both bad. Uh, so it's not <laughs> that really means, in the That cur- means he's bad. It, yeah. It's, bad. So his ERA over 15 innings with Yonder Diaz is 470. Not, not good. Uh, 41 innings with uh, with Maldi, 626. So it is significantly worse with Maldi, but it's it's a small sample size, and it's I bad either way. that just means he's not good. Yeah, he's just not good. Yeah, I— We'll see what happens tonight. But Jose Arquiti, if you missed it, is starting for the Houston Astros tonight. J.P. France, per Chandler Rome, has been scratched. We have yet to see an official reason uh, from anyone, obviously, because that's the Astros themselves, have yet to make, make this it announcement. It can't be paternity leave because she just announced they were pregnant again, right? Yeah, so okay. we'll, we'll see what we'll see what happens. But this is, this is not the way uh, the most important weekend of Astros baseball in the regular season, probably since like 2015, no. that we've seen. Uh, that the Houston Astros are now going to do a game without the man they intend to do tonight with J.P. France being scratched. All right, we will play Who Said It at 5 o'clock, but coming up next...
The one thing you're most curious about this weekend in the NFL outside of Houston is what? That's next here on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Hey, guys, we know that there's a lot to bet on this weekend. You know I'm always telling you about my bookie. Well, how about something that gives you an, a chance to get even more accomplished and have more fun this weekend? Three, three great tips I got for you so you can enjoy sports betting a little more this weekend. One, if there's a team that you hate, bet on them. That's what, that way when they win, if they win, you know it sucks, but guess what? You win too, so therefore you can cash in. How about betting against your favorite team? So if they win, you're happy. If they lose, you're happy because you put more cash in your pocket. And how about make a bet for your significant other? Therefore, she'll actually watch football with you, and she might be more fired up because you have a chance to win money based on her bet. Make all this happen at mybookie.ag. NFL, college football, MLB leading towards the playoffs. MyBookie has it all. They, they offer daily odds boosts, same-game parlays, huge prize pool contests, and so many ways they take care of you, too. They also got that quick cash-out system that's awesome. First two legs of your parlay hit, you can cash out early. You can place another bet, or you can let it ride for a chance at that bigger payday. And it all gets started with the main reason that I tell you to go to mybookie.ag. It's because they take care of you if you use our code BET975. Whenever you see the opportunity to use the code, whether you're reloading an existing account, signing up for the first time, if it asks for a code, put in BET975, and you're welcome because you're going to cash in. That means if you put at least 50 bucks in your account, you could get up to 200 extra dollars in your account instantly. More money in your account, more games to bet on, more chances to win. Use that promo code BET975, claim your deposit for a limited time, and you're also going to get a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino because, oh, by the way, when there's not games going on, there's a, a dealer standing by with live casino games just for you. That's why I always tell you, bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, it's mybookie.ag. And use that promo code BET975. <laughs> ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Insert random audio clip now. I knew which vegetables went together, proteins, temperatures, sauces. And when somebody new came into the restaurant to stage, I'd look at them like they were a competition, like I'm going to smoke this mother. <laughs> Welcome back, Houston. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Joe George in for Jeremy Branham here today. You can find me on Twitter at Joe George Radio alongside Joel Blank on Twitter at Pac-Man. Joel, BMAC behind the glass. So we are headed to week four of the NFL season. Texas take on the Steelers. What is the number one thing you're most curious about or interested in this weekend in the NFL outside of the city of Houston? I'm really interested in seeing how teams play early in London. That's really fascinating to me. No, I would say that block you my that that don't get me started. The biggest thing to me is I want to see which if Tua's ready for primetime. That's a good one. I want to see that's, Tua. That was number one on my list, <laughs> I want to see, That's a hell yeah. of a matchup anyway. And, and I think we all agree if you could flex that game, and even Lee Sterling said it to us. Yeah. But if you could flex that game and put that in primetime, everybody wants to see that game. That should be the calling card for YouTube TV and their freaking uh, Sunday ticket. Well, so did you see the story over the weekend that all the cities, uh, all these cities in like Kansas, Wisconsin, they uh, went to this, uh, all these CBS stations or Fox, whichever one it is. They went to the NFL and uh, CBS, and they said, "Hey, we don't want Bears Broncos 
Like you're giving us, yeah. we want bills. You uh, either and, get the best game of the week should. or you get the worst. Like, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. And the fact like they're trying to like that should be such an easy switch. It's definitely it's number one. Like Buffalo's favored by two and a half. The over under is fifty three and a half in that game. It looks like apparently like it's like I don't know if it's hitting Buffalo, but it's like monsooning in New York. Oh, right all now. over New York it's raining. Yeah. So I I know I thought Lee said Lee like, said no here. chance of rain. So maybe it's cleared up by Sunday. But that's definitely number one. Like, who are the Dolphins? Can they do this again against real competition, unlike what they did against the Broncos? I think they're for real. It's always just going to be if Tua stays healthy. Like, I even saw Lamont and Jeremy going back and forth on Twitter the other day about, like, would you give Tua a new contract? And Jeremy said no. It's a great question because it's like if the Dolphins make a run to the Super Bowl this year, which they can if he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you don't pay the guy, but also, like, how do you pay the guy? See, here's the thing. Somebody else will because somebody else knows that based on what their quarterback room looks like, that you take him and you take your chances. I don't know how long of a contract you give him for how many years, but you're going to pay him if he stays healthy this year and he performs at, at a high level, and so far he is because whether you have the weapons of the Dolphins or not, he has shown to you when healthy that he is fully capable of doing what they said he couldn't do once he got into the league. But the reason why I want to see the game more so than just the matchup itself and want to see Tua this weekend is because I want to see him against a really good defense. Because I, and I know that Von Miller's not going to play. But I still want to see him against a, a good defense, a solid defense, in a hyped-up, big-time atmosphere in a big game to see what he can do. We know he did it in a college level, but that was when he was healthier and you know he had receivers getting 10, 15 yards open. <laughs> They're just as open now. They should be, right? But the, the Bills secondary is pretty good. Their pass rush is pretty good. And you know that Josh Allen and those guys are capable of putting points on the board that you're going to have to match, unlike the Broncos a week ago, where you could be in a shootout and you've got to step up. Yeah. So that's why I want to see Tua. And, and I think, and with that, because it, it just adds to the Dolphins' talent, you know, I'm I'm very curious if Devon Achan, because that's apparently how you say it, is also f- this for real. Like what mm-hmm. he did last week was incredible. It's everything that like, I know we talked about him as like a third round target for the Texans during the draft. But like, obviously a stud at A and M. But if he can be that guy consistently as well, not 200 plus yards and all those touchdowns, but be that electric out of the backfield for them, like he just adds another dimension for the Dolphins. Like that's definitely number one for me. So I guess we'll go to number two for BMAC. What's <laughs> next on your list? Uh, I, I think it's um, it's another divisional matchup. It's Ravens Browns. I mean, both teams are two and one going into that game. Obviously, a lot of people were completely out on the Browns after how how bad their offense looked. Uh, early in the season, but they put up a pretty good performance last week. They win this game. Suddenly, you're three and one with a couple of wins over divisional opponents, and uh, they're, you know they'd be in great position. Same thing with the Ravens, because I don't know the Ravens' offense. That they obviously made a lot of changes. They wanted to be a more of a pass happy team. Lamar didn't seem to like running as much as he had in uh, previous offenses, and. I don't know. The offense, I know they've had some injuries at receiver with Rashad Bateman and Eldo Beckham Jr., but th- that offense just hasn't looked nearly as good as I th- think people anticipated. So the winner of this game is in great position. The loser of this game's got a lot of questions to answer. Deshaun's That's questionable. a big one. Deshaun's questionable. Yeah, he's questionable. Uh, Schefter said he barely threw this week with a shoulder injury, so we'll see. So, I mean. Does this I- mean he spent a lot of time on the. Never, <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I'm not going there. Do you think, like, they have. The Estonian? Like, yeah. Public, like, all massages must be done in front of another person because that's what... Maybe they should have a live stream. Um, Can I just say this without saying too much? I believe that 
he has altered the way teams and certain teams will forever do. He should massages for players. Look, ever again. There's always like every. There every, is like a. I, I believe it's like a three step process yeah. now as a player to get a massage. Every, I mean, every Bernard Pollard brought in the Brady rule when he went low. I mean, sure, th- things like that change things. Every every rule has a name. My dad taught me this. My dad was a high school teacher, and he is a high school teacher still. Every rule that exists, there is a student like attached to it. Like You would be like, I never thought of this, and then you'd be like, yeah, we have to change the rules. We saw it today in the NFL. They changed the gambling policies. Jamison Williams supposed to be out six weeks. He's activated on Monday. For the Detroit Lions, they've completely changed. Now, if you can bet, if you get caught betting on other sports, it's only a two-game suspension, and then a six-game, and then a season-long. And they didn't make it official today, too. If you get caught um, swaying the outcome of a game um, by playing it and also gambling on it, banishment. That's smart. Which, like, I thought that was already the yeah, rule. Yeah, it's it's the understanding, but it shouldn't be the understanding. Like it has to be the rule. Like, it has to yeah, be in if writing. You point shave, whatever. Right. Uh, next thing for me this weekend, because Bill Belichick is the master of taking away the best player, who are the Dallas Cowboys? Like C.D. Lamb. We talked about it last week we, when we said, okay, it's it's the 49ers, it's the Eagles, and then it's who? And then it was, do you believe in Detroit? Do you believe in Dallas? Dallas loses to Arizona. Does Dallas you know, overcome Bill Belichick this weekend and move to 3-1? and one, Or do they fall to 2-2? Two and two? and start to make life for them a lot more difficult, I think is the next game that's going to be really intriguing. Now, am I wrong in that? Because I think that if I'm Bill Belichick and I'm looking for the one thing that i got to take away, it has to be C.D. Lamb. It just has to be. Yeah, I mean, you can say Dak, but I think Dak without C.D. Lamb, what's he going to do? It would probably be Tony Pollard that you would say. That's who I would say is number two. But I don't think Dak's passing abilities scares me. I don't think that him dropping back, if you eliminate C.D. Lamb from the, the discussion, is anything that I'm extremely worried about. I think it's it's C.D. Lamb and it's Pollard, and then we'll start worrying about you know what they can do if either one of those guys is not something that's been effective. I think if I'm Bill Belichick, I take C.D. Lamb away and say, I dare you to beat me. Yeah, well, because I'd let Tony Pollard beat me. Like, if that's the path they yeah. want to go. And I'd just make Dak throw picks because that's all I... I was watching that play, that pick last night where there's three guy the three Cardinals players in the end zone, and it's just like how how does an NFL quarterback at this point in his career still make that throw? Anything else from this weekend, or we cover all of it? I think we covered. Most yeah, I think, all of it. I think. Or who's gonna who, the who's gonna win the trash championships? The Bears versus the Broncos. I, I think the Broncos beat the Bears. Agree. How, how about uh, Titans Bengals? Both teams one and two. That's good too. One, if either one of those teams slips to one and three, you got to think their season's going to start to feel like it's over, especially for the yeah. Bengals. And the Titans' pass defense is terrible. If the Bengals' pass defense or pass offense doesn't look good this week, and it could mean uh, bad things for the rest of the season. All right. As long as there's no more Astros breaking news. We will actually play Who Said It next here on The Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, home of non-human intelligence. We're definitely not alone. Absolutely, the data points empirically that we're not alone. 